the Fiona. Number 164. The one where I do what I want. The Fiona's Podcast. Christian news from around the globe. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. It is the glory of God to conceal a thing, but the honor of kings is to search out a matter. Explore the vast reaches of God's word. Hello, all you Theonomians out there. I'm David Gaddy. I'm Jeremiah Orr. And together we are... The Theonauts! Theonomians. (laughs) Nice. How are you, David? I am fair. It's been like 20 years. (laughs) No. (laughs) I forgot what your face looked like. Our our listeners are probably like, Where you been, man? Are these guys even doing this anymore? (laughs) Of course we are. Don't call it a comeback. We've been here the whole time. Yeah, y'all just missed. Well, we've numbered these things, so exactly. it's kind of hard to lie. You got to go that. back to twelve. It's not like repeated. it's radio where where you could be like, "Oh yeah, we were on." Yeah, we were on yesterday. Yeah, you sure, just, you just didn't hear it. Exactly. Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so how's everything been going? Uh, really well. I've got two weeks, two and a half weeks of school left. Woo woo, and uh, ready for summer break. So uh, tonight we had our student showcase and. They, uh, my seventh grader showed off a um, documentary on what it meant to be a Texan, <laughs> which is pretty fun. They, uh, this is great for you. Yeah, they interviewed me, actually. And really? They asked me, what do you think it means to be a Texan? <laughs> I'm like, well, I'm a Kansan, so uh, <laughs> everything's bigger in Texas. <laughs> like, what, do you, what do you say? No, it was good, but I had a lot of fun. Awesome. Anyways, that's that's my life so far. Um, I got a rat today. It's yeah. Teacher Appreciation Week. That's so good. <laughs> so I'm sitting there this morning at seven twenty, getting my lesson plans in order for the day, and in walks my kid Darian, one of my kids, and he uh, he's like, "Mr. Orr, this is for you," and he hands me this paper, and it says guidelines and um, uh, tips for taking care of rats. I'm like, what is this? And then in comes Everett with a cage with a rat in it, right? And it has a little backdrop with a poster of the Ninja Turtles, yeah. right? So it's a little splinter, right? That's the idea. And uh, my kids, I've been saying since like the beginning of the year, jokingly, Man, I should get a rat and name it Splinter as the classroom. Oh, really? Cool. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, that makes more sense. Exactly. So ever since, like, Two months ago, Everett and Darian have pulled together their own money. Their parents were like, if you buy him a rat, you are paying for it. We're not doing it. So they pulled together their own money, came up with this huge idea. They gave me two months' worth of rat supplies and, like, all this stuff. And nice. Like, we, uh, we want you to, you know, have a, a rat. So he's uh, <laughs> actually she. He's yeah. a she, but her name is still Master Splinter. Yeah. And uh, she's chilling on my desk. Mistress Splinter. Mistress Splinter. <laughs> Splintoris. I don't know. Splintora? You can call her Splintora. Yeah. Whatever. I don't care, Splinter. It's cool, though. I, I held her today, and she poops all over the place. That's kind of not fun. Yeah. Yeah. So, my wife is super excited. Oh, I'm sure she is totally she's, over the she's top. She's like, you it. know, it's summer soon, right? I'm like, yeah, yeah dude. <laughs> 
We're going to have to take that thing home. <laughs> Likely you'll love it. They'll oh, become yeah. best friends. Yeah. So. It, well, yeah. I mean, she doesn't know that, you know, rats are abhorrent to a girl's yet. Right. So. Exactly. I can get her get in there early. So. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, that's my life. Wow. Well, I got all kinds of things going, man. I know it you is do. Ridiculous. I know. Oh man, your whole life is busy right now. Yeah, and um, have we talked since you became a grandfather? I don't think we have. Again, sorry. Right. So uh, yeah. So if you're wondering why we haven't been doing this, I mean, there's lots of junk going on. <laughs> One of which, I have a new granddaughter. Yay, Gracie. Miss Gracie Elizabeth. She's so precious. I still haven't seen her in person. <sighs> Amazing. Yes. I just want to squeeze her. It's like, ah. it's like what was it? Chris Farley. Like, um, <laughs> like JoJo the. the <laughs> yeah. Was it JoJo the circus, circus. Indian boy yeah. who, with a pretty new pet? <laughs> oh, I just want to love her and squeeze her. That's so good. But yeah, oh, she's. Just a doll. She's precious, man. Um, She's got little squeezable cheeks. Yeah, I'm head over heels right now. That's so. pretty awesome. Well, congrats, Pappy. Yeah, thank you. So glad you and Gigi got a new yeah. gift. And so that was like, Mandy was bound to determine that, you know, that um, she was going to have this baby naturally and, and all that good stuff. And so it was a painful, long process, Oof. but uh, it was... Definitely worth it. I'm saying that because I didn't go through it. Uh, but I know Mandy listens, so I'm sure she'll agree at this point that it was worth it. She recovered a whole lot quicker than she did from her C-section, baby. Right. So Jesse was C-section. That's nice. And uh, so, yeah, that alone is probably um, worth made, it. made it worth it. Yeah. But, yeah, that's that's a new uh, bright addition to our family Yay. and our life. So that's really cool. Congratulations. And then, let's see, work is going crazy. I've got um, – I'm in the middle of a big a big business deal, uh, which is actually going to end up dissolving my business. Right. Uh, or one of them um, into a larger one that I will be an employee of. So anyway, there's kind of all kinds of weirdness going on there, but it will be it'll be good uh, ultimately, and uh, so but it's just a nightmare right now because I got all these contracts and I'm trying to consolidate things and sign my life away tomorrow. (laughs) Tomorrow I'm signing my life away. Stressful, stressful. Resigning from my own company. Wow. It's so weird, but anyway. So um, yeah, anyway, we've just been really, really busy. Um, Sure. Church is going really good. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, it is. God's good. So, anyways, you want to jump into this huge topic? Yes, let's do it. Which I have no idea. All right, here we go. (laughs) Okay, so antinomianism, Uh, big word. Um, yes, and what's you know one thing that I found funny or interesting about this um, about this topic in comparison to several of the others that we may uh, deal with because some people are going to say yes I know what antinomianism is that is a heresy heresy blah 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 and then you're going to have others that are going to just completely disagree with that right. and um, the thing is it all it's it's almost like. This term can be defined based on your stance and where you are. I mean, like, 
you can have a totally different understanding of this well based yeah. on your on your history of um of your grace versus works so stance like that's where this this hinges from this right. is where this comes from um so the word itself yeah let's break down the actual meaning the entomology of this word is um anti non so not against or against yeah. nomian so uh, nomos which is law, law. Mm-hmm. so it's basically against law or no law um, it was coined by none other than Martin Luther right he's the first one to ever use it that we know of so um, I didn't know that actually yeah and he wrote a series of theses theses ag- against uh, antinomianism. And uh, which is interesting, given he's the great reformer. He's his reformed uh, concept of grace versus works and law. And well, what was his reasoning? His purpose, which okay, was okay. Well, let's. Um, that's a that's a good place to start. Actually, uh, let's look at, at some of of what he was doing. Okay, so um, a lot of people in the Reformation. Uh, took a lot of the concepts and ran with them like crazy. Right. And um, so I'm, I'm going to pick some of this up from good old Wikipedia. So um, in 1537, a guy by the name of Johannes Agri- um, Agricola. Dude, is your phone? <laughs> I turned it off. I'm sorry. <laughs> Go ahead. Uh, Johannes Agricola. um he was serving as a pastor in, in Luther's birthplace of uh, Eisleben, mm-hmm. and he preached a sermon in which he claimed that God's gospel, not God's moral law, revealed God's wrath to Christians. So based on that sermon and others by uh, Agricola, Luther suspected that Agricola was behind certain anonymous quote-unquote antinomian theses that were circling in Wittenberg at the time. And these theses asserted that the law is no longer to be taught to Christians but belonged only in City Hall. And Luther responded to these theses with six series of theses of his own against Agricola and the antinomians, four of which became the basis of his disputations between 1538 and 1540. And he uh, responded to these assertions in other writings as well. Um, so in these theses, he basically, you know, this is very interesting whenever you listen to, to some of this. It's, it's almost like, what, what in the world's going on? Um, okay, so listen to what his problem was. or w- The sermon that kicked this off was a sermon saying that the, the gospel not God's moral law, revealed God's wrath to Christians. That doesn't make sense. Yeah, me either. And that's and that probably why this whole thing spun off. Okay, so let me go back for just one minute and, and look at the definition of antinomianism. So this is the basic definition of it. Right. And by this definition, we can determine all kinds of stuff. Okay, so... In Christianity, antinomian, an antinomian is one who takes the principle of salvation by faith and divine grace 
to the point of asserting that the saved are not bound to follow the law of Moses. The distinction between the antinomian and other Christian views on moral law is that the antinomians believe that obedience to the law is motivated by an internal principle flowing from belief rather than from external compulsions. Yeah. Do you agree with that? Yeah. I agree with it 100%. Yeah, 100%. That that makes me an antinomian by definition. Yeah. So here's, here's the crux. It's all semantics. Whenever it boils down to it, it is, isn't it? It's so okay. funny how so, that works. So how how this all plays out is, let's put it in modern terms. The antinomian of Luther's day, the ones that he called that he labeled antinomians, are what we would call cheap gracers, right? Greasy grace, greasy gracers. So um, basically, the idea is, well, since law, since we're not under the law anymore. I'm under no ethics and no moral codes. I I can do anything. That their idea of freedom is falsely understood. Right. So they they think they're they're free from the law. They're free from sin. Right. Therefore they're free from the law, right? Right. Therefore they can they can do whatever they want in their freedom. Right. And it's okay. <clears throat> so going back to the whole thing that this has kind of been a a theonauts catchphrase yes you know whenever you say well you're saying i can do what i want because of grace and the answer is that depends what is it that you want that's right and so your your desire is part of your regeneration and and part of if your will is aligning with god there's a good chance there that you have this regeneration and uh so law is not necessary right because law is there for the law breakers like it's there for people who don't want to be aligned with God. Sure. Right? So by definition, I mean, I agree with this. If this is the definition of antinomianism, I'm an antinomian because I believe that we are no longer bound to the law because there's a law. We we actually were bound to love and we're bound to the grace, we're bound to our faith in Jesus Christ and the grace that he gives us. And that gives us desires to do what the law would have us do had we been under it. Right. So um, so going back to what Luther uh, was teaching in his thesis, which is interesting, he, it, once again, it kind of goes back to semantics. Listen to what he says. He said, uh, Luther reviews and reaffirms that on one hand, what has been called the second use of the law that is, the law as the Holy Spirit's tool to work sorrow over sin in man's heart, thus preparing him for Christ's fulfillment of the law offered in the gospel. Absolutely. Yeah, I agree 100%. <laughs> Again. Yeah. So what, Okay, so wait a minute. How can we agree with the antinomians and agree with, with Luther's anti-antinomian argument? It's semantics. Again. <laughs> The problem is, I for me, I see two different types of antinomians. Okay. Does that make sense? Okay. I see the, the antinomian that says 100% uh, there is no law and I can do whatever whatever I want, mm-hmm. meaning sin. Right. Right? I can embrace sin. Basically. I can embrace sin and okay. willingly uh, join into it and it's totally covered... 
um, and I'm fine. Yeah. Okay. So that that's one antinomian. The other antinomian is there is no law because I'm in Christ. I've mm-hmm. set, been set free from the law of sin and death. Mm-hmm. Now that I have this relationship with Christ, I have something so much greater than the law, mm-hmm. which is the Holy Spirit who leads me all into all righteousness. Right. Right. So that's still antinomian. It's antinomian. Because it is not it's, a, a, it's not law. It's it's relationship. It's something yeah. totally different. Because in my book, if you're going nomian, that basically means a salvation through works. Right. That's really what it means. Exactly. Because if if you're bound to the law, and I don't care what it is, Ten Commandments, if you're bound to that, then that's what gives you favor with God. Yeah. Is your obedience to these rules. Right. And that is not the gospel message. That's not what grace is. It isn't. It can't be the gospel message. Right. If you stop at the law, man, I'm teaching the Ten Commandments uh, with my second and third graders right now, mm-hmm. right, and my fourth graders. And what's so unique to me is how God gives them the law when He gives it to them, mm-hmm. and in the very next instance, shows the people of Israel completely spitting on it. Right. Yeah. This is this is the picture of what we do <laughs> yeah, with the law. And so we're sitting there and watch your child. Right. I go through the you Ten tell, Commandments. You tell, you, with these tell kids. your child, don't do this. Right. And what do they do? Exactly what you told them not to do. <laughs> we walk through them and I ask them every single one of them, you ever broke that one? Yeah. Well, think about it. <laughs> have you done, you know, have you wanted to, you know, instead of uh go to church? And spend time with God and rest in Him. Have you wanted to, I don't know, go to a movie and and eat popcorn? You mm-hmm. know what I mean? <laughs> well, yeah, okay, there's one. How about stealing? Have you ever, you know, your stole thing? Yeah. Well, you know, so we walk through these and they're going, oh, we're screwed. <laughs> like, you know, right. second and third graders are getting this. Yeah. That there's, if you're going to, Highlight the Ten Commandments and put it on your walls. And get, okay, wonderful, that's fine. But th- you can't is do it, it. The point of that is the same, and this is backed up by Scripture. The same thing that Luther said: there is a second use of that law mm. for us as Christians, and that is, it's a conviction toward faith. What's that's it exactly is, what Galatians? It, yes, it's talks the about. schoolmaster that brought us to faith. Okay, continue on. Here's some more of what Luther said. Luther states that everything. That is used to work sorrow over sin is called the law, mm-hmm. even if it is Christ's life, Christ's death for sin, or God's goodness experienced in creation. Now, this is where I'm a little... I don't get that. <clears throat> I think what Luther is doing is redefining the word law so that he can be nomian. Right. <laughs> so, I'm not going to go with him on this one. But and he was just simply refusing to preach the Ten Commandments among Christians, thereby, as it were... Removing the three letters L-A-W from the church does not <laughs> eliminate the a- accusing law. Okay? And I agree with that. Yeah. That, you know, just because you can take out the word doesn't mean you can't take out the conviction that, that it brings. Uh, but convi- I can, Conviction of heart. And I can also go with him here thinking about James, which is kind of funny that Luther would even argue this and have James back it up. Right. But think about what James says about the perfect law. Yes. He calls grace in Christ the perfect law, right? Right, right. 
which, I mean, you could take that and you could go, yeah, Luther, you're yeah, right. And but, I know a lot of people that do. Right. I know a lot of people that use that whole law of liberty and they and they actually call it the new law. And it basically is a, it's a new list of commands to them. Mm. And that is not what James is saying. He's being, he, he is in a way being tongue in cheek because yeah. he's a law of liberty. What does that mean? Well, it's liberty from the law that the <laughs> law of Moses, like that's the, there's a, is a principle. Like it's like the law of gravity. The law of gravity isn't a set of rules. Mm-hmm. The law of gravity is a principle that exists. Something you live in. Yes. And so it's kind of the same thing. Yeah. Um, so if we look here, there's, um, there was, there were people in Luther's time, Protestants, uh, that are part of this Reformation, that were basically refusing, like they were telling churches, you can't preach the Ten Commandments. You can't teach law. In, so they were taking it to the point mm. that they, they were saying, this has no place with us anymore. That's no, Old Testament. No, 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 no. And so that's what I think he was trying to combat. Yeah. I think that's the main thing that he was trying to combat. Um, but You teach the Ten Commandments so that you can lead somebody to grace. Right. So in modern days... <clears throat> this whole the reason why we're even doing this is because we've had um, our our faithful listener Karen yes brought it up and basically said you guys keep saying how we're free from from law and that we're not under law anymore and it's some sometimes confusing because it's been I got to look in it's been like three years since we did our episode on law wow like it was like episode fifty something and. Uh, and so it's it is a good time for us to revisit because we talk about this sure. quite a bit, and um, and so I want to just kind of talk about some of the things that we do as Christians, almost like almost like Luther in his whole redefinition of law. Um, we do this like all the time to try and make things fit. Mm-hmm. So one of the things that we've done is we've divided the law. Yes, that's a big deal for me. So. If you really look in uh, in Exodus, mm-hmm. right? And Leviticus. And Leviticus. Deuteronomy. Yeah. Okay, so the rest of the law. Whatever. The law books. <laughs> if, you, if you look at the Torah, yeah. <laughs> you will see uh, laws. And I don't know. How many are, are there? Did you look that up? No. In all? There's tons of them. All right. So, the, the, yeah, there's tons of them. Over 400 or something yeah, like that. Yeah. But uh, so... You will see law for law for law. Now, what we do is we take and we divide these up into sections as great theologians. There's the moral law, right? Yes. And then there's uh, the ceremonial law, right? Right. These are these have to do with ceremonial worship. Uh, there's there's the uh, civil civil law, right? Mm-hmm. Um, there's the clean like clean. Well, that would be ceremonial. Yeah, ceremonial. That's right. Yeah. So there's really three, three major divisions. Yeah, the that... three main ones. And so <laughs> we like to divide those up into, into three. Mm-hmm. There is no, if you really, you would be hard-pressed really in Scripture if you were honest with yourself after doing a naked reading of that to divide it up like that. Mm-hmm. I do not see a natural division in the law. The Bible does not do it. It doesn't. And not only that, but if you go and you look in Hebrew-Jewish history... They didn't do it. Oh, for sure they didn't do it. The, the law is the law. You don't divide it. It is all one unit. And mm-hmm. so so you as a Gentile, by the way, who never received the law to begin with. Correct. Who were never born under that law. Correct. Under that. Uh, so, okay, you got to go back. And you got to <laughs> you got to realize this. When Abraham or when um, when Moses gets that law, he gets a covenant along with that law. Mm-hmm. 
and it is a covenant that the that the children of Israel, Abraham's offspring, are invited into, and nobody else. If you obey these commandments, I will bless you. If you disobey these commandments, I will curse you. Right. You must be a child of Abraham, mm-hmm. uh, Israelite, in order to be even in that covenant to begin with. Right. This is not a covenant the Gentiles are invited to. Right. They're, we're outside the law to begin with. Mm-hmm. Right. And there well, was ways. There were ways to you take, could become. Right. Yes, you could. You could be a proselyte. Yeah, you could do that, but you're not. You're not born into it. Right. Is what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. All right. So to try to force a Gentile into a covenant, which that, is most all of us that are arguing this, exactly, into that covenant to begin with. Yeah. So then you take and you look at the, these Jewish people, and they saw it as one big group of commands with no division. You obey the entire law. You keep the entire law. You don't just keep the moral law, but not the ceremonial law. So let me ask you a question. Have you sacrificed a bull in the past month (laughs) or a pigeon? Because if you haven't, then you're disobeying the law. Right. According to Scripture. Right. If Have you... You see, what we've done, though, (laughs) is we take what Jesus did on the cross, Mm -hmm. and we say, well, it fulfilled the ceremonial parts of the law. It didn't fulfill the moral, the moral. parts of the so law. So now we, yeah, we need to live the so, moral parts. So we're still under these moral laws. And if we disobey and, them... Right. So the... And here's why we do that. Because we can't fathom living without... A checklist. Laws, right, a checklist around our moral code. Right. And I'm not saying that... We're so afraid. So, now, if we were to say the antinomians of Luther's time would basically be saying, yeah, whatever. I can do whatever because there is no law. But um, the, the, the scriptures that, that, tell, that talk to us about this are like, um, uh, there's tons of scriptures about fulfilling the law through love. Hmm. And Jesus talks about fulfilling the law. So I want to talk a little bit about some of that. But before we get there, we were the ones who divided the law into ceremonial, civil, and moral law. Right. Now, here's another thing that's that's very interesting, that the Jews were so not uh, dividing the law that they took it to the next level. So, yes, you had moral, civil, and ceremonial written laws, but you and they saw it all as one, but they also included the oral tradition as part of the law, right. which ultimately became what we call the Talmud now yeah. because it got written down. In, in the, and so the Mishnah is this 30 volumes of books. If you really want to look at what they did with the law, you'd be just blown away. It, it became, uh, imagine the... Imagine the the rules set of rules in the game of Monopoly, right? Mm-hmm. And then imagine writing five volumes on the set of rules of the games of Monopoly, and considering that part of the rules. And so you have to obey not only the basic rules of Monopoly, but what everybody else has put into their oral tradition of right. these rules. What they think you've got to make sure that your thimble is pointed northeasterly whenever you know mm-hmm. what I mean. Like that was a thing, and so. Uh, you know, it became such a uh, a burden. Well, yeah the the uh, the Pharisees they were even condemning Jesus mm-hmm. for disobeying the law. 
the disciples were walking through wheat fields picking yeah. heads of wheat, right? But because they had determined what breaking the Sabbath was. Exactly. And what it wasn't. Right. And Jesus is like, what are you talking about? This is the, th- these are, he says there in Mark 7, he's like, you teach uh, the doctrines of men as if they were commandments of God. Right. And that's what basically what we've we've done in a large part. That is the Talmud. Right so <laughs> if if we look at um, another interesting thing, we always want to hang our hat on the Ten Commandments as being like the the anchor here. Right. So stop and think about it. This happened in the days of Moses. Mm-hmm. Did God not have a law before that? Mm. Was there a moral law before the Ten Commandments were issued? That's a good question. I mean, look at look at the very first uh, murder. I mean, okay, but there's no law there's saying no law thou there. shalt not kill. What in the world are you talking about? Well, obviously there was a a moral standard, mm-hmm. whether or not it was written down or not. And then if you look at there's there uh, uh, ceremonially, what was it that caused Cain to kill Abel? Sacrifice. Why in the world were they doing that? Exactly. So uh, okay, Abraham. Abraham received this commandment from God to circumcise. This is long before Moses. Right. So, okay, so you can't divide it all up. Mm-hmm. It's all one big thing. So um, I want to look at Matthew, because we definitely want to touch on a bunch of verses that, that deal with all this. So Matthew 5, Sermon on the Mount, one of the things that Jesus is doing throughout the entire thing is saying, look, this is the letter of the law. This is what you have heard. You know, he said he right. uses that. But ultimately, I want your love to take you to a different place. This is the spirit of that law. Right. So he's preparing you to go beyond right. a list of rules. So he says, you've heard you shall, shall not kill. I'm telling you don't hate people mm. because that is the same in my mind. Mm-hmm. You've been told, in other words, there is a law that says... You shall not commit adultery. I'm telling you, if you look at a woman of lust after you've already done it in your heart, it's just as bad. Mm-hmm. And and so forth and so on. So he's continually doing this. And then he gets to this point here in Matthew 5 or 17 that a lot of people want to grab this and just hold on to it so tightly. And it says, if you think I've come to set aside the law of Moses. Uh, actually, I want to read this in a different translation. Hang on. I love my passion translation, but I want to to get some more traditional... <laughs> That's a good idea, probably. Hang on. <clears throat> Oops. The passion is just not authoritative, David. <laughs> There's people that would, that would agree with that. I know. <laughs> okay, so... I'm <laughs> Matthew, messing with you, dude. Matthew 5, verse 17 says, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For ver- for truly I say to you, I was back in my King James days again. Verily, verily, I say unto thee. <laughs> for truly I say to you, till heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, mm. not a dot shall pass from the law until Until all is accomplished. Therefore, whoever relaxes one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. What? The scribes and Pharisees are like the rock stars, Jesus. (laughs) 
What are you saying, man? There's no way that I can do that. Okay, so is Jesus saying here <laughs> that we're still under law? No. But see, so many people want to say, well, he says right here, until it's all not is gonna fulfilled, pass away. nothing's going to pass away. But it was fulfilled. Right. Okay, so that's what I want to talk about here. He says, what is Jesus actually saying? He's saying that I have not come to abolish the law. But to fulfill it. Okay, so let's look at a, an example in our modern day. So how do you fulfill it? You, you have a loan yeah. with a bank. Okay. And I come to you and I say, Jeremiah, I'm going to abolish your loan with the bank. Woo! Okay. How's the bank going to feel about that? They're not going to like that very well. <laughs> I still owe $50 million. What are you talking yeah. about? So you already you have this debt that you owe the bank, and the bank is, they want their money. Right. And if someone abolishes the loan, that means the loan goes away, and now the bank is out of luck. Mm-hmm. Okay, now what if I come to you and I say, okay, Jeremiah, I'm going to fulfill your loan at the bank. You're going to pay it off. Right. $50 billion. So so the loan doesn't go away. No, it just it gets, gets fulfilled. fulfilled. It gets taken care of that's the difference. by somebody else. Exactly. Okay, so that's what Jesus is saying here. He's mm-hmm. saying like the law's not going anywhere. But guess who's doing it, guys? Not you. I'm doing it. And this is what Jesus is doing. He is using the law as a tutor unto grace. Mm-hmm. He's showing these people, these disciples, number one, that they can't fulfill the law. Right. You've heard it said, but I'm, I'm telling you, if you even look at a woman with lust, well, game over for all men on yeah, earth, right? Yeah, we're dead. That's done, okay? <laughs> what he's showing you is you can't do it. And then how dare he, if he's doing that, tell you that you you have to do it? Yeah, yeah. What he's saying is, I'm I'm here. Don't don't think that I'm, I'm knocking it. I'm here to fulfill it. I'm here to take that mm-hmm. debt on myself and set you free. Right. And that's that's what that whole passage is talking about. And has nothing to do with the continuation of the law. It did not continue. It was fulfilled. And even the language he uses here, he was like he was like if anyone teaches against these things or whatever, he was like uh um where's he say? Oh, not one dot or iota will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Okay, this word accomplished is used in another place. Mm. When Jesus is hanging on the cross. To tell us die. Yes. He says, it's done. It's accomplished. <laughs> it's finished. Uh, I just did what I said I would do in the, my Sermon on the Mount. Um, so if we, if we look at what Paul taught, this no. is all over the place. Uh, yeah, the entire book of Galatians. I mean, that is, mm-hmm. if you want to really study antinomianism, you really need to hit Galatians and really read it hard. Right. Because and even and even uh, like, man, Martin Luther's commentary on it is amazing, right? And it is. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm using his own words against him, but it is antinomian. It's 100. percent His his own writing is antinomian yeah. from a pure definition standpoint. Um, so if we look at uh, like Romans six and fourteen, oh yeah, says uh, for what sin uh, will have no or for sin will have no dominion over you. Since you are not under law, but under grace. Now, wait a minute. This is, that's an antinomian statement. Mm-hmm. You are not under law. You are under grace. You are under grace. Period. What then? Are we to sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? Heck no. <laughs> <laughs> By no means. <laughs> yeah, you should really read that. 
That's great. It says, do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves to the one to whom you obey, either in sin, which leads to death, or obedience, which leads to righteousness. But thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to a standard of teaching to which you were committed. Mm. So this is all about a heart change that is happening. He says, and having been set free from the sin, having become slaves of righteousness, I am speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations. For just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness, righteousness. leading mm. to sanctification. Um and it just goes on and on and on. So the message here is a change in relationship mm-hmm. from a debtor to a son and a daughter. Yes. And that's the difference. So when my debt was paid, it caused me to go into a different type of relationship with my Heavenly Father that pushed me to desire not to sin anymore. Mm. It, it has nothing to do with something written down in a book um, 4,000 years ago. Right. It has everything to do with my Heavenly Father has saved me through the blood of Jesus, and now I desire to 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 follow Him. And I'm not going to continue in sin naturally. Right. Grace is going to abound well, naturally and- <clears throat> without continuing in sin. And when, if we're going to hold really tightly to this whole thing about, well, Jesus only abolished or only fulfilled the um, the ceremonial laws and that sort of thing, well, then it flies in the face of a lot of these teachings in Romans right. and in Galatians. Because, okay, for example, Romans 7, verse 6 says, For now we are released from the law, having died to that which held us captive, so that we serve in the new way of the Spirit. <laughs> and not in the old way of a written code. Okay. That's it. <laughs> so, is, so is he talking about ceremonial law only? No, because we don't do that at all. Right. We're not doing that in our out of the spirit now. We never did that. We never did it. <laughs> I, I mean, it, it's like, so, you know, I'm not making uh, my wife leave the house you know, once a month. <laughs> <laughs> right. That's exactly true, though. But, but, so, but that's what the law I said. I love shrimp, man. <laughs> it's right. So, but he's, it's so clearly spoken here. It's like if he was just talking about ceremonial law, this makes no sense. What he's talking about is he's talking about the law you want to keep, the, the, the one that you tr- you're trying to keep, but are struggling keeping it. The one that that you you're not doing it because it is a written code, you're you're doing what you're doing now because it's written on your heart, mm. and you're a different you're a different person. So you're not under you've been released. It comes right out and says that you've been released from the law, mm-hmm. so that you can serve through the, His Spirit instead. Um, man, Colossians two verse uh, thirteen says. And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive right. together with right. him, having forgiven us of our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. 
Therefore, let none of you pass judgment or let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food and drink and with regard to a festival or a new moon or Sabbath. So yes, he's talking about ceremonial stuff here. There, these are shadows of things that were to come, but the substance belongs to, to Christ. And let no one disqualify you insisting on asceticism mm. and worship of angels going in or going on in detail about visions puffed up without reason about from his sensuous mind. Wow. So now we're getting more into right. a moral code. Yeah. And not holding fast to the head from whom the whole body nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments grows with a growth that is from God. If with Christ you died to the elemental spirits of the world, why? As if you were still alive in this world, do you submit to regulations? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch, referring to things that all perish as they're used, according to human precepts and teachings. These have indeed an appearance of wisdom in promoting self-made religion and asceticism and severity to the body, but they are of no value. In stopping the indulgences of the flesh. That's right. So its ordinances have been done away with. There is a new thing that's, that's happening here. Man, this is just over and over and over again. Ephesians 2, 15 through 16. Galatians 3, 2 through 3. Uh, Galatians 3, 10 through 13. Um, Galatians 3, 23 to 25 talks about the schoolmaster. The law was there as a schoolmaster to teach you what God what his desires for holiness, what it defines as holiness, so that you would know what, uh, what is abhorrent to him. Right. So you know whenever you come closer to his will what it is you start to hate. Hmm. I mean, that's the schoolmaster. And uh, I want to look at one little thing it says there um, that I sometimes think that we, that we skip over. It says, um, <clears throat> Now before faith came, we were held captive under the law, imprisoned until the coming faith would be revealed. So then, the law was our guardian until Christ came in order that we might be justified by faith. But now that faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. guardian. Not that guardian, not the guardian of, of civil <laughs> law, not the guardian of ceremonial law, but you're not under a guardian anymore. Yes. That this is, it says, for in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither slave nor free. There's no male or female for you are all one in Christ Jesus. So the whole thing here, is basically saying that there is no other law left for you to follow to find God's favor. There's no justification in it whatsoever. In chapter 5, verse 1 through 4, he basically says, look, if you're going to stick to one of these things, you've got to take it all. Right. He's like, you can't just take thou shalt not kill and be happy with that. If you're going to, if you're going to hold, you're going to bind yourself to law, then you got to do all of it, and which really gets me because you've got people that are all these Hebrew roots movements and all this sort of thing, and everybody's like, oh, well, I really think we should keep the dietary law. 
I think we should do, you know, okay, so are you stoning your disobedient children now? Wow. What makes you decide that that part doesn't count? Mm -hmm. Like Paul says here, for freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to this yoke of slavery. Look, I, Paul, say to you that if you accept circumcision, Christ will be of no advantage to you. I testify again to every man who accepts circumcision that he is obligated to keep the whole law. You've become severed from Christ, you who would be justified by this law, you who have fallen away from grace. And we totally use the fallen from grace thing completely wrong. Oh, yeah, 100%. Because it's talking about legalism. Falling away from grace because you're being legalistic. (laughs) You're trying to follow a law. That's what he's saying. How do we miss that? Like, how is that? It says, for for through the Spirit, by faith, we ourselves eagerly wait for the hope of the righteousness. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working through love. Mm. And it's one of our key verses we use at the way all the time. It's like the only thing that matters... That's our foundation verse right there. Yeah, the only thing that matters is faith being working through love. That's right. Um, So, you know, uh, verse 18, chapter 5 also talks about it's not being under the law anymore. Um, Then this whole thing, this concept, oh, so I can just sin, the antinomian of... I mean... That, that, and that's, that's just a misunderstanding. The natural question that comes up. Right. So you're saying I can do whatever I want to, and I'm just saved. Yeah. And the answer is this. What is it you want to do? That's. I mean, it's a normal thing. I, not a normal, but it's a... It's, it's the basic answer. And the reason is your desires change. Mm-hmm. If you've truly been impacted by... Christ, I love I love the description um, of imagining you get hit by an eighteen wheeler, right? Mm-hmm. So if you're hit by an eighteen wheeler, what happens? You're changed. <laughs> yeah, in some way, <laughs> you're going to be changed, right? Mm, yeah. How bigger is God than an eighteen wheeler? Mm. And if you've really had an encounter with Almighty. Um, that has left you in faith of Jesus, your desires, your wants, your new mm-hmm. creation. Yeah. The old things are passed so, away, become, behold, all things have become and, new. And love, we, because God is love. And yeah. once, we, once we begin to see this unconditional, uh, once we begin to understand the love of God, now I'm not talking about, we've, talking, we've been talking a lot about emotional loves. And, you know, we were talking about C.S. Lewis in the previous show. We talked about his Four Loves book. Read that book. I mean, it's like there are three major uh, loves on this planet that are very natural. Mm -hmm. But the fourth one is that agape, unconditional, unnatural love. And it is the love of God for you. Once you start understanding what that love is and what it can do and how powerful it really is, then you start to see man, how horrible we really are. And so don't take this, this mean to mean that when you're regenerated, you no longer sin <laughs> because we sin every single day. And the, and the thing is, I mean, I don't care how good of a person you are. I don't care how good you think you are. 
you are sinning yeah. every day. In fact, if you're sitting there thinking, well, I don't, I'm, I'm a good Christian, then that right there is called pride, and it's a sin. So, <laughs> <laughs> Congratulations. Yeah, so bam, nailed you. But there's, there's all <laughs> but it's, <laughs> but it's, it's so, the cool thing is, like uh, I was talking to Mike Mahoney the other day about this, and it was it, he, he just heard this thing that he thought was really cool, and it was like, imagine two parallel lines. And one of them is God's holiness, and one of them is your horribleness. And you kind of see them, you start out, and one of them's going this way, one of them's going that way. And so they're, they're kind of parallel at first. But the more you see how good God is, and the more you realize how bad you really are, and those lines keep getting further and further apart. But what connects the lines is the cross. So as we get sanctified, we often think of it in terms of, I get better, and I get better, and I get better, and I get closer to God, Right? But, the, but if in reality you're getting closer to God, that makes the cross that connects the two is getting smaller. Right. But whenever you really realize that, man, the more I see God, the more I realize how holy he really is and how far above me he is. And no matter how good I think I'm doing, I'm better than I was, but I'm still, I'm starting to realize the gap is further than I thought, which makes the cross bigger. We need Jesus in our lives because, okay, a great example. Two people debating Christianity. Which one's right? Okay? I mean, it can be pick a topic. Eschatology, mm-hmm. crying out loud. We're going to sit across the table. We're going to talk about our, our eschatological views, and we're going to disagree on them. And there might even be shouting across the table. Now, we're both good Christian people, right? Except... We've just been filling ourselves with pride and debating, and one or both of us is wrong. And if we're wrong, then we're in sin about that topic. So it, it's just, it can go on and on and on. We even, we even put it in terms, you know, to err is human, to forgive is divine. And it's like, even that statement, for one, it does acknowledge that making a mistake is human, but it also makes us think it's okay to make mistakes, Right? Well, not to God, Mm-mm. right? That it, to forgive is divine, but it's because it's not his obligation. It is his choice right. to forgive you. So we like when we treat our children, two plus two, you give them the question, what's two plus two? And they say five. Okay. Well, do you pick them up and whip them for it? Because they broke the, the command or the law of what two plus two is? No, because they're still learning, Right. And so, but doesn't mean they're not wrong. They're still wrong. And so there are things like that all over our lives. Um, You know, James, what did James say about um, he who knows to do good and doesn't do it? To him it is sin. Right. So how many of those things are in your life? Sure. But um, again, and this is, you know, so we're not, don't get us wrong. We're not condoning, well, screw it. I might as well just go and live right. my life, you know, in greasy grace. That's not the message. The message is this. Ah, I realize there's absolutely no way I can truly fulfill this written code. Right. I must. I, my, my, my sin demands a Savior. And so that's when you lean on God's grace and you follow him. And the, the true mark, I'll say this over and over again, the true mark of a believer is his desires change. Mm-hmm. 
and he he will continue. He will become uh, sanctified, and you won't see it as a person looking on the outside, looking and judging a person. It's like a Rubik's cube. Mm-hmm. I've used that example before, but it's a great example. You know, I watch people work Rubik's cubes, and I'm like, there's no way that they're getting this right because it's so. I don't understand it. I can't work one. Mm-hmm. I wasn't born. I was born in the '80s, but I wasn't. You know, right. So I watch these people work these things, and and it looks like it's all jacked up, but you can start seeing it magically appear, and you know. So while I'm thinking one, I'm looking at one side, thinking that guy screwed up. The other side that he's working on is is becoming perfect, mm-hmm. and that that's what we are. We're Rubik's cubes. God's working on a, a piece of us at a time, right. and and I can't see the side that's done exactly. <laughs> All I see is the messed up side exactly. And so, don't judge people based on your th- idea of what righteousness is. Mm-hmm. Judge people on, based on the truth that. Christ is the only thing that makes us righteous. And then, you know, push on and persevere and become who God's calling you to be. Because it's not about behavior modification. No, it's... Uh, sure, your behavior will modify to some degree. Yeah, you can do that if you want. But, but uh, well, I mean, it will because our, des- our sure. desires change, right. right? And so we will want to do... Right. It's all about the desire that... that, that That's the thing. That, that changes, not necessarily our performance or our ability to perform. And so uh, love is that key. Like right. that's the thing that gets in- injected. So I uh, want to go back to some of what Karen brought up in her comment that led us to the topic. She said, okay, for example, if my motivations are all based on love and let's say my husband wants me to rob a bank, well, I love him. So if I'm just doing things based on love, then I'm actually sinning by robbing this bank. And the point there is that's not agape love. That's not real love. That's not the love that we're talking about. So your love is 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 from God. So when you realize that when a selfless love, an unconditional love. So let's look at what Paul says in Romans. Um, I'd love to... Can I use another analogy before you sure. look at Paul, Paul says? Okay, so Romans 13, verse 8 says, Owe no man anything except to love each other, for the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and any other command are summed up in this word, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. Besides this, you know the same, that the hour has come for you to wake up from sleep, for salvation is nearer to you than whenever you first believed. So, I love Blakely, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, I absolutely love her. She's my, my baby girl. We get home from school, and sometimes Blakely, the first word she says is chip. Because she loves chips. Right. Like she wants chips really bad. And I tell her no. Well, she throws on a pouty face, and then she slams on the ground and starts wailing like I've killed her. Well, obviously, I don't love her then, right? (laughs) No, I love her, and my love wants what's best for her. Right. And that's true love. Right, right. 
desiring, even if I have to put up with a screaming brat kid Mm -hmm. who wants a chip when it's not good for her. Right. Right. I'm going to put up with it because I truly love her. That's, that's the difference. And you know, God wants us motivated. There are things that the law can't do. Hmm, that's right. The, the, the law, for example... It's clinical. Law won't... T- okay, so um, you know by listening to the show that my heart is in Haiti a lot. Right. Okay? The law won't take me there. No. There's nothing in the law... Unless the law came right out and said, thou shalt go to Haiti. I mean, because I could loophole around every other thing. If it said, you know, um, even if I look at the teachings of Christ as a new law... And it's like, okay, well, God, uh, Jesus says to uh, feed the hungry, give water to the thirsty, put clothes on the needy. Okay, so how many times do I got to do that, do that, Jesus? Give me a number because I really need a law. I really need this spelled out for me so that I can know when I'm done. I, you look at the, rich, the story of the rich young ruler. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a perfect example of this. All those things I've, I've, I've yeah. felt from my Yeah, youth. I've kept these laws. What else do you want from me? We'll go sell everything. <laughs> Love will, will yeah. make you do that. Yeah, because uh, the, th- the thing is, if, if you're going by a list of things and you're asking, okay, so how many of these do I do? There's no good answer to that. Like, because love will push you to when you see a need, you take care of it. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you're going by a bunch of laws, if you're just going by a bunch of rules, you're only going to do what the bare minimum is, and you're going to stop. And you're actually, I guarantee you, you're going to fall short of the bare minimum. That's why, honestly, I think tithe, the, the idea of a tithe mm-hmm. is a terrible, terrible, and unbiblical principle. Right. Because what it, it's a perfect example of this. Well, it is part of the law. It's a law, right? <laughs> so I'm going to give part my of 10, the law. <laughs> I'm going to give my 10%. You know, I'm going to set that aside and give my 10%. Mm-hmm. And I'm good. You you never allow God into the equation. Yeah. You don't go, God, what do you want me to give this week? Mm-hmm. Oh, you want me to give my entire paycheck? Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, God, you want me to give nothing? Instead, take that money and go and take care of that guy down the street that's Yeah, you think, the, you think the widow who put in her two mites was, was following the tithing law? No, she was giving everything she had. <laughs> right. That's the difference. Mm-hmm. But this idea of we have to have this law, it's so permeated uh, us. Mm-hmm. It's a sad thing. Well, it's human nature. It is. Human, humans want rules to obey. They yep. want to be told exactly what to do. Because we're fallen and we can't trust ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> right? Which, which is not, which is, when the basis of all of this is love, then that takes, it, fi- it fills the gaps. Right. Like when you are truly being selfless and you're truly looking at your uh, I say I'm going to use the the biblical word neighbor, and when you're looking at them and care more for them than you do yourself, that changes your behavior. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't matter what the law says at that point. Mm-hmm. You know, going back to Galatians, you know, with, with the quote unquote fruit of the spirit mm-hmm. that that is we memorize that stuff, right? That's right. But what does it say at the end of that list? Against Get such, such there's, there's no, no law. law. Yeah. In other words. The law won't get you to these things, and there's if if you're doing anything, and this is the fruit of it. There's no law right. that is contradicting it at all. So, in other words, don't be so focused on the law that you're not producing fruit. 
that the spirit's that. not producing fruit in you because yeah. it's his fruit it's not your fruit right so and and by the way those are things you can't do on your own right love joy peace how how patience I mean, how are you going to sit around and just be like, uh, I'm going to be more patient today. I'm going to be more patient today. I will. I will be more patient. <laughs> it's never going to work. Yeah. Your, your human willpower will not Ever get you there. That. The yeah. Holy Spirit needs to do that for you. Amen. Which means you have to submit yourself to him. That's right. Which means this isn't about law. Mm-mm. Because that he's working outside of the law. Mm-hmm. So... For the law of the spirit of life in Christ has made you free, free. from the law of sin and death. Amen. So. Okay. <sighs> so that's that topic again. Nice. Do you have some news for us? I do, sure. Let's do it. And now, the news. The first one that you brought my attention to, Chuck Missler passed away at 83 oh, years yes. old. Uh, Missler was an amazing, amazing uh, teacher, uh, founder of Queen Ania House. He was an author, encourager, studier of the Bible, brilliant in his insight of looking between the words to find mm-hmm. s- some truth and uh, numerology. Mm-hmm. Uh, Science of all kinds. Exactly. And he, he was a technologist. Right. And in, in fact, without Chuck Missler, guys, there probably wouldn't be a Theonauts. That's very true. Because he was a, the inspiration that got me to thinking like a Theonaut mm. in my so, personal life. Yeah, he, he's just he's a powerful person. So um, God used him greatly, but he'll be missed. Uh, he's a wonderful person. All right, uh, let's see here. What else do I have? An Iowa governor just signed the strictest abortion regulation in the country. Last Friday, Iowa Governor Kim Reynolds signed a law banning most abortions if a fetal heartbeat is detected. It's around six weeks. Um, Though the signing uh, positions the state amid a lengthy court battle, it also marks the strictest abortion regulation in the U.S. uh, Though legal trouble has already begun for the law, uh, Reynolds said this is bigger than just a law. This is about life, and I'm not going to back down. The new law provides for some exemptions typical to abortion restriction laws, um, such as allowances for abortions in late pregnancy stages that could have a life, uh, could save the life of mother in cases of rape or incest. Um, so that's a it's a big deal. Pray that 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 passes and goes through, because that would be, uh, I mean, a it's heartbeat huge. detection at six weeks. Yes, man, it's a powerful. 2,000 people signed for a petition for Paige Patterson to resign. Have you heard about this stuff? No. After the controversial remarks about divorce, uh, basically he said that um, a woman who's being abused shouldn't divorce her husband or should stay. Or oh, okay. Um, many Southern Baptists are urging Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary President Paige Patterson to resign from his post. Recently resurfaced interview in which Paige can be heard saying that divorce is always the wrong counsel, even in cases of spousal abuse. Went viral earlier this month. The interview garnered severe criticism from many, including prominent Christian leaders. Um, in response, Patterson defended his comment, saying that his position was being misrepresented. On Sunday, in an open letter to the SB, uh, SWBTS Board of Trustees, uh, which is 
now been signed by 2,000 people, say that Patterns' comments are indefensible. The fact that he has not fully repudiated his early counsel and apologized for his inappropriate words indicates that he continues to maintain positions that are at odds with the Southern Baptist and, more importantly, the Bible-elevated view of womanhood, states the letter. So, anyways, wow. there's a lot going on with that. Uh, I don't know if you know much about Paige Patterson, Nope. But he's a like prominent figure in the SBC, and uh, it's a big deal that people are asking him to step down. Wow. So there's a huge <laughs> shift going on. Um, study says adults say coffee, sweets, and social media are more essential to their day <laughs> to their day than the Bible. <laughs> Every That's year, not surprising. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> Every year, the American Bible Society publishes their incredibly official-sounding State of the Bible survey results, reporting deep on how Americans are engaged with the Word of God. This year's study is extensive and comprehensive, with some encouraging and demoralizing numbers. One portion of the survey asked Americans if they thought the Bible was a a daily necessity. Scripture was put on a list next to coffee, something sweet, and social media. Coffee was... Uh, saw the plurality of respondents, about 37% saying the beverage was fundamental to their day. Another 28% of Americans said something sweet was essential, and 19% said social media was essential. The Bible came in around 16%. (laughs) The study was segmented uh, by demographics, so the American Bible Society shared some more skewed demo-specific data For example, people most likely to opt for the Bible as essential were married adults, college graduates, households with young children, and people from the South. (laughs) Yeehaw! Sounds about right. So, uh, you know, coffee's good, but the Bible's better, guys. What's the matter with you? (laughs) All right, and last but not least, United Meth... Oh, wait, I don't have any Pope news. Oh, you don't? I tried, but Uh, I couldn't find it. okay. I'm so sorry. And well, I don't have our new jingle yet. Okay, so. we'll wait another week. <laughs> All right, United Methodist Church, last but not least, United Methodist Church votes against amendment saying God is genderless. The United Methodist Church recently voted on amendments to the organization's constitution, which they call the Book of Discipline. The five amendments voted uh, on were introduced in the, to the approval in the um, General Conference. Amendment 1 directly addressed gender equality, going so far as to address the gender which we place on God. The amendment would add this paragraph to the existing rules on gender. As the Holy Spirit reveals, both men and women are made in the image of God, and therefore men and women are of equal value in the eyes of God. The United Methodist Church recognizes it is contrary to Scripture and to logic to say that God is male or female. Oh, that's funny. Because you just made this huge leap of logic. Because men oh, and women know. are equal, equal in God's eyes, God must be both. Both, yeah. <laughs> As male maleness and femaleness are characteristics of human bodies and cultures, not characteristics of the divine. The United Methodist Church acknowledges the long history of discrimination against women and girls. United Methodist Church shall confront and seek to eliminate discrimination against equate? women and girls. I don't know. It's like, okay, does, does a father love his daughter less than he loves his son? Because... I mean, I'm talking about in a family. Right. Is that the way it works? This is not the way it worked in my family. No. I mean, come on. If anything, you loved your daughter way more. No, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's something about little girls that are more cuddly. Man. I totally but get that. But still, uh, 
you love your sons in different ways, right? Sure. I mean, you wrestle with them, right? You wrestle with the little girls. <laughs> well, I guess some do, but <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but anyway, that, I don't get that logic. It's like just because God views them in equally loving ways, He has to be like have no gender. That doesn't make any sense. Uh, so uh, it, it, oh, Jesus is wrong. He's not our Father, which is in heaven. Well, the good news is the amendment needed 66.7% of the votes to pass and only received 665 <laughs> <laughs> Wow. That was like God slapping them. <laughs> like, oh, how much did you need again? Here. Oh, my God. Take, take a point off of that. <laughs> so, anyways, that's all I got tonight. But that's a that's a disturbing Dude, I have no thing. idea where the script is. Oh, well. Oh, hang on. I'm going to have them. The Theonaut Podcast is part of the Great Commission Transmission, who boldly goes where no man has gone before, and then we drink coffee and celebrate with scones. If you would like a copy of today's transcript, call David Gaddy at 903- (laughs) If you would like to rail against David Gaddy for being a total horrible antinomian who doesn't know anything about scripture, call 903- uh, anyways, well, here if you're gonna do it, at least, <laughs> and then <laughs> this is how you cook a duck. Basically, uh, I don't know what to say. Yeah, uh, what do we? If you, uh, you know, thanks for joining in. Yeah, um, Facebook.com face- slash Theonauts, Twitter at Theonautical. Find us. We're there somewhere. 972-885-7270. Yes. Well, okay, yeah, call us. Call us. We need we need phone calls. If you like us and you want to support us even more, drop us a buck or two at patreon.com slash theonauts. Hey, that Your was good. patronage is, you know, important to us, and we might even send you David. Yeah, we might box. do this more often if you paid us. Yeah, come on. <laughs> send us a buck or two. You know, don't. Don't go out and disobey the law just because we told you. It's a law. It's a law. You must drop us a buck or two. That's right. All right, Jeremiah. Thanks for being here, brother. Love you, man. All right, you too. Bye. You are tuned in to the GC. (laughs) That didn't even work. (laughs) No, it didn't. Okay, wait a minute. Hang on a second. (laughs) That's the wrong button, too. (laughs) David, have you not? I I haven't done this in like a month. Oh, my God. Okay, hang on. Here we go. That's what I wanted right there. This has been the Theonauts Podcast. Call us with your questions or comments at 972-885-7270. You sound so Texan right there. 885-7270. We'd love to hear from you. You are tuned in to the GCT Network. We'd love to hear from you. (laughs) 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 Yeah. Alcada, <laughs> we got him. <laughs> I'm coming, Condi. Each and every time you spoon into a bowl of Lucky Charms, you might as well be partaking of Lucifer's sacrament. They're possibly cloning an army of giant Alcada guys. Uh.